Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Are y'all ready to get in this word today? I tell you, I am so excited. I'm always excited, but I'm really excited uh, because I'm still kind of in the overflow of where we were from Wednesday. And, uh, and so I'm excited about it. We standed up, started a brand new series last week. We teach in series here at Harvest because when you change subjects every week, it's very difficult to retain the information. And so that's why we teach in series. So we started a series called The Resistance. Say Resistance. And so what we're started doing is we started debunking Greek mythology and seeing what the Bible actually says about the enemy that has been called Satan. And so are you excited to go to the second message of that series today? Would you lift your Bibles high? You don't have a Bible? That's fine. Lift your iPad. Don't have an iPad. Lift your nook or something, some derivative of something. Lift your cell phone. Lift your, if you don't have none of that, just lift your hand. Don't have a hand. Lift your foot. Don't have a foot. Lift your heart. Let's make our faith confession together. It's on the screens. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message. Hallelujah. Remain standing, if you will, for one moment. Go to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. Again, if you're just joining us, we're in a brand new series uh, that we started last week called The Resistance. And the whole purpose of this series is to get a biblical understanding about Satan. Because a lot of the, the truth of the matter is a lot of what we often think we know is from somebody who got some from somebody who got some from somebody who got some from somebody who couldn't read. And so what we have are a lot of passed down things, but not necessarily things that are truthful, not necessarily things that are biblical. So let's look. Zechariah chapter 3, verse number 1. 
Then he showed me Joshua. Now, this is a vision, which means Joshua is not necessarily a literal man, but Joshua's name in Hebrew means the Lord has saved. In other words, when, when he says Joshua, you could put your name there because the Lord has saved you. you you're missing it. Then he showed me, say your name. Uh-huh, the high priest, which just means one who can go to God. Standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, or we understand in Hebrew, uh, Hasetan, which means the adversary, standing at his right hand to oppose him. Say, say the enemy was opposing him. So the enemy was trying to oppose what the Lord had saved. You with me? But look at verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, shut up. Uh, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Now, you, 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 your neighbor, your neighbor maybe didn't, didn't get it. And the Lord, watch this, because Satan was standing up there telling God everything that was messed up with Joshua. And the Lord looked over at Satan and said, that might be true. They may have done this. They may have done that. They may have done this. They may have done that. But I only got one response for you. Uh, your motion is denied. Your objection is overruled. And the Lord, that's all caps, which means it's God's covenant name. Yut, hey, wab, hey. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you because I've chosen him to rebuke you. Look to the neighbor and say, you're chosen. And there's nothing you can do about it. Father, we pray that you would speak to us now in this moment. We honor you. We bless you. We pray that, Father, you would take these words that I would speak and that, Father, you would take these words which your word declares our spirit and you would speak so impactfully into the lives of every individual, Father, that it would be no doubt they have had an encounter not with a man but an encounter with you. I decrease now that you might increase. Bring answers. Bring clarity. Bring hope. Bring inspiration. Bring information. Bring revelation. Bring illumination like only you can and we praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seat, top five, two or three people and just tell them there's a trial in the heavens. There's a trial. There's a trial in the heavens. There's a trial in the heavens. Uh, the series summary for this series, I want to lift it up to you so that we can all be on the same page. It says the devil, Satan, or Beelzebub, the great deceiver, demon, dragon. You've probably heard these names to describe the source of evil in the world. But what if the mainstream concept of the devil wasn't biblically accurate? Say it matters what God says. What if we were giving power and credit to an enemy that simply wasn't due? And in this series, we're going to discover the biblical truth about the devil and destroy the false ideologies about the resistance. Say the resistance. The resistance. I said say the resistance. the resistance. That means everybody. Say the resistance. the resistance. That we sometimes experience. This series will cause you to expand how you see God, but it's going to marginalize or reduce how you see the resistance. Now, I want to say this to you as we get into today's message. This series is going to challenge much of what you maybe thought you knew. Because much of what you knew wasn't Bible, it was mythology. Got it? Now say the celestial legal system. I want to jump right into this. Please understand, we're going to look at three examples today. Uh, so for my note takers, I don't necessarily have any points for you, point one, point two, point three. So you're just going to have a bunch of notes today from these examples. But I want to paint this picture for you so clearly so that when you leave, you'd be able to explain it to a two-year-old. And a two-year-old look back at you and explain it to you. Does that make sense? 
Now, now let's get it, let's get an understanding. Zechariah three is a vision into how heaven works. Literally, this particular passage of scripture is a vision that the prophet is having, and he says in verse one, "Then he showed me Joshua." And I already said to this to you, uh, Joshua. There, that name in Hebrew means uh, the Lord has saved. Say, the Lord, the Lord. has saved me. See, I know you're looking real good and real nice up in church today, but can we be honest? There's some stuff that if it had not been for the Lord that was on your side, he saved you from some crazy people. He craved you from some crazy situations. That car accident didn't kill you. That marriage that failed didn't break you because God has saved you. I know you may be feeling a little rough today, but I'm here to tell you, baby, it could be a whole lot worse. God has saved you from some stuff. It was some stuff that folks were plotting against you that God stepped in and messed that stuff up. It was some folk that wanted to see you fall, but God would never let them get that glory or get that pleasure. Is there anybody in here that God has saved you from some stuff? And when you look back over, you're saying, God, why would you do it for me? Has somebody say, he saved me. He saved me. But now look at this. So Joshua now, we understand then as a type of you and I, it is not necessarily a man named Joshua. Because when you're reading the scripture, you can't just read it. You got to read it in. You got to read it out. Which means when we look at this name, we're speaking about us. Say it's me. The high priest, that just means one that can go to God on behalf of the people, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan. And we understand in Hebrew, it is the word Hasetan. Say Hasetan. Which literally, watch this, Satan is a title, not a name. Just like God is a title, not a name. God is not God's name. Uh, God is a 6th century Germanic term, which comes from the word gudon, which is used to describe deity or a source. Are you still with me? God's actual name, whenever you see it in your Bible, when it's all caps like that, that's his name. And the Jews do it in such a way to where they won't even utter his name. They just say the name. In fact, they have a hand signal called the tetragrammaton, which means whenever they were speaking to one another, uh, they would just use the hand signal or say the name because watch this. They understood from the Ten Commandments that when we use that name, it shifts and changes things. So let's not use that name in vain. You're missing what I'm saying. So people have been saying, don't use God's name in vain, but they didn't even know what they were talking about because they didn't even know what the name was. The Jews understood that if I say that name, I'm getting ready to upset some stuff. I'm getting ready to cast some darkness out. I'm I'm getting ready to call down the blessing of the Lord. But, so don't use that name lightly. Don't use that name playfully. So they would just say the name. So they wouldn't say, did you pray to Jesus today? Of course, as a Hebrew, they wouldn't have even had the revelation of Jesus yet. He said, he said they wouldn't even say, did you pray to God today? No, they'd say, have you talked to the name? Y'all are missing what I'm saying. They, when they were going through something, rather than saying, well, we know the Lord's going to get us through. They just say, we know the name's got this. Y'all are not hearing what I'm saying. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. Look what it says. Verse 2, uh, or, or verse still there in verse 1. Standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, the adversary, standing at his right hand to oppose him. So, get, this, get the picture now. The angel of the Lord is there. They're standing before the angel. So, check this out. Say the judge. So, the judge is there. And now, standing in front of the judge is this man that the Lord has saved named Joshua, which is really you and I. But then, standing at the right hand to oppose him is Satan. I need you to catch the scene. So where we are now, watch this, is not in your living room, it's not in your kitchen, it's not in your den. Where we are is in a place called heaven's legal system. Where we are is in a courtroom. 
And in the courtroom, the scripture says that the adversary was standing there to oppose this man that the Lord has saved. Now, here's the trip about opposing a man that the Lord has saved. Uh, what doesn't scare me about things that the enemy would hope would scare me is that he maybe didn't get a glimpse of my testimony. Because the truth be told, the reason that you can look at some stuff and not break a sweat is because you're saying, if you knew what I had been through, baby, I didn't have to deal with this and had to deal with that and had to deal with this. And so you run in your mouth and don't scare me not one I'm don't go a little bit because God has brought me through some things. I got a testimony. So in other words, Satan is trying to accuse a man that has nothing to lose. No, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this. So he says, he says, and, and he stood at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen. Say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Jerusalem, uh, rebuke you. Now, the word rebuke means chide. It means to scold. Watch this. It means to overrule an accusation. Right he says, Satan, the Lord, I overrule your accusation. He never even dealt with the fact that whether or not the accusation was accurate. He just said, I overrule it. See, there's some of us that are sitting up in here today that the truth is told is that sometimes we feel like because we've been good that, the, that we deserve the Lord to do something good for us. And when we've been bad, we don't deserve the Lord to do nothing good for us. Y'all, nobody else thinks like that. But here's the truth. The Bible says on your best day, your own righteousness is as filthy rags, which means even when I think I'm being good, the truth be told is that if it's not for the grace of God, what I thought was good ain't good enough. It's only because of his grace. It's only because of his mercy. Okay, all right, watch this. Let, let me slow down. Watch this. He says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord overrule your accusation. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? He said, Joshua's been through some things. This, this, this man that the Lord has saved has been through some things. And he said, the stuff he's been through, uh, it, 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 while he may have not done stuff that's been right, it's simply because he's a product of a lot of, of, a, a lot of chemical things that's been put together. But here's how life is for many people. It's a big chemistry experiment. Or little this, little this, little this, little this, little this, little this, and you hope it works. Here's the problem when you're experimenting with chemicals you don't know anything about. Every now and then there's an explosion in the lab. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and here's the reality is, is that's that explosion that happens, that's what Satan used to try to accuse this man, Joshua. So, so let me give you the picture. Let me give you the picture. Say hi, Satan. He, he's the accuser. He's the celestial prosecutor. Celestial just meaning in the realm of the heavens. Now, we learned this last week. There, there are not two gods. Okay? There is not God of the heavens and God of the underworld. There, there is not, there is no such concept in this book of, watch this, of, of the God of light and the God of darkness. There is no such concept in this book of God versus the devil. It's not in this book. You know where that comes from? Greek mythology. Please understand, please understand, you don't even see the word devil until the New Testament. You only see it in the New Testament, which is uh, translated from Greek. You only see it in the New Testament because when they were trying to explain Christianity, which was rooted in Judaism, uh, which just said that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had stepped into a body and had paid the price for the sins of his people. When they were trying to explain that, the culture simply could not grasp it. 
They didn't get that there's one God who's chosen to manifest himself in three expressions, but they're not three gods. They're not three different people. Because that would then make you a polytheistic believer. Poly meaning many, theistic or theos gods, meaning that you worship many gods. But the scripture says, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There is only one. Watch this. Let me give you an example. See, see, you, you, you may be a man or a woman who, watch this, so that, that's one expression or manifestation of you. But then you're also an employee for somebody. That's another expression of you, but that's not a different you. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? At the same time, you may be somebody else's son or daughter. Well, that's another expression of you, but that's not a different you. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? So while he is the father, he's also the son, but that, that's not a different him. That's just another expression of him. And he's also the Holy Ghost. That's not a different person. That's just a different expression of the... Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? No, no, no. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So, 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 so we understand we serve one God. But now check this out. Somehow, because in Greek mythology, they had Zeus, the god of the heavens, and they had Hades, the god of the underworld. So in Christianity, as it's being explained to these, this Greco-Roman culture, they're not getting that God, and we learned this last week, and I don't have time to get it, so I encourage you to get the CD. I don't have time to go back through that. We learned that God says, I form the light and the darkness. I create good and evil. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no other. I don't have an enemy because I don't have an equal. See, that's good news for somebody because some of you thought that God was running from the devil. Some of you thought that what the devil was doing, he was doing on his own accord. I got good news for you. Your God has no equal, which means your God has no enemy, which means when God says, let there be peace, there will be peace. And when God says, storm, you got to go. Storm has to go because he couldn't have made it to you except he allowed it. So watch this, watch this. I, I, I just want to make sure we, we got that foundation. So, so, so there is not God versus the devil. That's not biblical, okay? That's Greek mythology. And so as the apostles are trying to explain it in the New Testament, they have to borrow some of the concepts so that the people could understand it and make it palatable. And I used this example before, but I think it's apropos. Uh, if, if someone did say to, was to say to you today, depending on where you're from, if somebody would say to you today, um, uh, I need some cheddar. Now, depending on where you're from, uh, to some people from, watch this, from some pedigrees and backgrounds, when you say I need some cheddar, they're talking about money. But now, check this out. If someone, watch this, had no point of reference for cheddar being anything different than cheese, whenever you say I need some cheddar, you're saying, why do they want so much cheese? They're going to get gas. They keep eating all that cheese. Are you getting the point? So in the scripture, the reason we see this appear is not because the scripture is filled with air. No, clear the contrary. Is that the scripture is doing what it does. which is, But Jesus said, I bet you you'll understand a story. I bet you watch this. You'll understand Mary had a little lamb. I bet you'll get that. And then eventually once you get past Mary had a little lamb, you'll figure out I am the lamb. Yeah, I am. But I got to give it to you in a way that's palatable so that you understand it because you cannot move in what you don't understand. And that's why some people get frustrated with Christianity is because they're trying to move in what they don't understand. And so God says, let me break it down in such a way that you'll understand it so you can move in it because you can't love what you don't know. 
I got to get through this. <laughs> now, so, so we learn. So we learned this. Then Satan, we learned this last week, is our enemy, not an enemy to God. And we looked at that in detail last week. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Which means he can't get everybody. Only those that are ignorant to how this thing is really working. Are you here? So we already got a picture. I started giving you a picture. I wanted to paint it, move away from it, and come back to it. So we understand now, check this out, that there is a legal system in heaven. And this scripture in Zechariah is showing us how that legal system works. Hasetan, which is a title meaning the prosecutor, the accuser, stands in front of God, who is, watch this, both judge, watch this, and defense attorney. There is no jury because God doesn't need nobody else's opinion. That's good news. God says, I don't put you in front of a jury or your peers because they're not qualified to judge you anyhow. They got their own stuff they're trying to work out. So there is no jury. It's just me and me. That's why the scripture says that he's our counselor. Counselor is another term for an attorney. I wish somebody understood here. It's another term for an attorney. So he's judge. He's also our attorney, our advocate, our counselor. And then standing over here is the prosecutor. And the prosecutor comes in. And you know what he comes in with? He comes in. Check this out. He comes in with, based on this legal precedent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of celestial law. That's why the scripture says, be careful for the idle words that you speak because you must give an account. What's the account? The accusation. So let me, get, let me give you a picture. Let me give you a picture. When you begin it. So God is standing. God is the judge, right? He's the judge. Say God is the judge. But then now God is also your defense attorney. Say he's my attorney. But then now you have Satan, the adversary. The prosecutor who is standing in front of God, accusing you to God. Are you getting this? Now, 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 check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. He says, well, God, we have some problems here. Because your word, watch this. See, he knows the word better than we do. Scripture says you believe in God. He says, well, great. So, so do the evil spirits believe in God. He said, that's nothing, that's nothing big. Right. Check it out. He uses the word against you. So here's what he'll say. He'll say, God, so-and-so supposed to be a Christian. And, uh, but what they said to so-and-so ain't real Christian-like. Okay, now this whole side of the church is quiet. <laughs> so this must be all the cussers over here. Is this the cussing section? <laughs> I'm not judging you. Don't start now with me. <laughs> the one that ain't saying nothing, they the most severe one too. They, be, they make up words. Compound profanity. 
Let's me saying, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that because I believe in church we got to be real. And I believe in church there's no need in us pretending like we're perfect because none of us are. Touch your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. And you're not fooling me. You got your nice church outfit on and you got your nice church Mac and Maybelline on, but you're not fooling anybody. So let's just go. We all wearing the same t-shirt. We all drank the same Kool-Aid. Let's just go. Touch your neighbor and say, be real with him. Be real with him. Be real with him. Now check this out. Check this out. Check this out. So Satan stands in front of God and he accuses him. And here's how we know. Here's how we know that he accused him. It's in, Zach- it's in verse 3. He says, now Joshua was clothed with what? Filthy garments and standing before the angels. Notice, he wasn't filthy, but the garments he had on was filthy, which means he wasn't filthy, but his actions were. See, see, see sometimes we got to be able to make sure we separate our actions from who we are. Because a Rolls Royce can break down, but it's still a Rolls. It's still valuable. See, don't think because you've made some mistakes that you're no longer valuable. Don't think because you've had some missteps and you've fallen down that you're not still valuable. I know you're valuable because God, 2,000 years ago, got on a cross and he said, you're valuable to me, so valuable, I'll give my life for you. And so the value of the thing that's been died for tells you the thing, the thing's value. Now look at this. He, he accuses him. So verse 3, we see he, he's accusing him. You're supposed to be the high priest who goes to God on behalf of the people, but you're dirty just like them. You're supposed to be a Christian, but you've made some mistakes. You're supposed to know God. So he's accusing him, and he's using it in front of God. He says, God, this is what he's doing. Oh, and by the way, God, he said nothing ever works for him. And your word says that by his own words would he be justified or condemned. Therefore, we put in a motion that you would rule that nothing ever works for him. Because I can't do it. You've got to rule it. They said, they said, it seems like every time they turn around, it's another battle they got to fight. Therefore, Lord, we, we file a motion with the court. That every time they turn around, there's no peace. Every time they turn around, they'd have exactly what they said. Because your word says, God, let me use the law against you. Your word says, God, that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it must eat its fruit. And since they like death, let them have it. Do you see how this works? He's standing in front of God, accusing you, using your mistakes, using your failures, using your issues, using the things you've said, using the things you didn't say. And he accuses you, Revelation 12 says, day and night. See, he's an anthropologist. He's a sociologist. He's a psychologist. He's been studying your bloodline for years, and he knows just what to do and when to do it and when to make the accusation because he knows I got his daddy that way, I got his daddy that way, I got his daddy that way, and this one won't be any different. But I think I got a church full of folk today that say I will be the exception in my bloodline. I am the curse breaker. I am the line crosser. I am the history maker, and Satan will not ruin So watch this. Look what he does. He accuses Joshua, this man that the Lord has saved before God. Now take this out, verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, take the filthy garments from him. In other words, God said, Satan, I hear all of what you're saying. But your request is denied. 
He, he said, they should be going through hell right now. But your request is denied. For some of the actions they've committed, life ought to be real jacked up for them right now. And they sitting up trying to figure out why it's not as jacked up as they calculated in their mind it should be. It's because God says, look at verse 4. He says, take away his filthy garments. And he said to him, see, I've removed, come on here, be a good class, your generational curses. Iniquity. Three kinds of sin in the Bible. If it's your first time here, sin, which means to miss the mark, transgressor, means to willfully deviate from what you know to be the truth. Iniquity, which is generational sin that is passed down. So he says, so see, I've removed the mess of your bloodline from you. And I'm going to clothe you with rich robes. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've been so good. Not because you've been so perfect. But simply because I'm the judge. And I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I rule in your favor. I wish you just have five somebody say he's ruled in your favor. He, it doesn't make sense why it's working. doesn't make sense why it didn't fail. But God says I've ruled in your favor. What's this? What's this? You still here? Now, I'm sure at some point the scripture doesn't record the plea. Because in court, you have to go to the defendant. You have to say, how do you plea? <laughs> what do you say about these charges and these accusations that have been levied against you? And the vision with Zechariah doesn't record it. We're going to look a little bit later at one that, that did he say, Lord, I lost my mind right there. I don't know how that happened. Let's be honest. There's some folks some of y'all used to run with. When you look back, you're like, Lord, I must have been insane. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. I must have been insane. How in the world? <laughs> some of you single folks, y'all sitting up crying over them. You ought to be saying, Lord, I must have been crazy. Lowering my value that low. I must have been crazy thinking that's all I was worth. I must have been crazy letting him honk the horn and me walk out to the car. That was for the ladies, single ladies. You make him walk to the door. Okay. All right. Y'all didn't like that, boy. Say the plea. Now, now here's what he could have played. He could have played guilty. Joshua, this man the Lord said he could have played guilty because it was true. His clothes were dirty. His actions were wrong. He messed up. So he could have said guilty. He could have said not guilty. That would have been a lie. Because <laughs> his clothes were dirty. You don't have muddy clothes if you've not been playing in the mud. <laughs> he could have played insane. And can I tell you what I think he played? I, th I think it was a combo plea. I don't know if this is even possible, but I think it was a combo plea. I think it was a combo plea. I think it was like, well, I got two pleas. Because <laughs> it was multiple charges. <laughs> Truth be told, can we be honest? It's multiple things that the enemy could say about us. Can we be honest? It's multiple things. So I think he had more than one plea because it was multiple charges. So for that one, he was like, Lord, okay. All right, I didn't. But I bet you there was one of them, he said, I, I plead insanity. You know why I believe that? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Watch what he said. For they know not what they do. Translation, they're insane. 
they are not legally responsible for the consequences of their actions because they did not know that when they did that, it was going to produce that, which by legal definition means you can't hold them accountable for it. You got to put them in treatment. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You ought to be glad there's some stuff that the Lord already said. They plead insanity. They plead insanity because they didn't know what they were doing, and we got to put them in treatment. We I have somebody say, I'm in treatment for some things. I'm in It's some pain I ain't quite got over yet. It's some issues I'm not quite moved to, but I'm in treatment. I may not be everything that I want to be, but I thank God that I'm not what I used to be because I'm in treatment. I, where the folk that's in treatment? Where y'all at? And not ashamed about it, not one bit. You ought to look at somebody and say, I'm not ashamed to be in treatment. No, I'm not ashamed to say God's working on me. I'm not ashamed to say he's getting me better. I'm not ashamed to say he's taking me from faith to faith and from glory to glory. But on the charge where he pled guilty, on the charge he pled guilty, I could hear the defense attorney saying, wait a minute. Matter of fact, here's what he said. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put my blood up in it. God, I wish I had a church here. Jesus said, wait a minute. I bled and I died for the sins of the world. Which means you might be guilty, but hold your peace because I plead my blood. And it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood, it washes us whiter than snow. Sin has left a crimson stain. But his blood, somebody shall thank you for the blood. The blood Jesus shed on Calvary. That blood had power. Say it has power. The defense attorney said, hold up. I got this one. Don't you say that. I plead my blood. <laughs> and for some of you sitting in here today, you've been beating yourself up over some stuff. And Jesus says, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put my blood up in it. No, 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 no. Stop kicking yourself. You don't need nobody else to knock you down if you knock yourself down. Stop beating yourself up. That was them. This is now. That Watch this. Watch this. Verse 5. And, and I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. <laughs> so they put a clean turban on his head. And then they put clothes on him. Turban. Garland. Crown. He said, he made some mistakes, but he's still a king. And even kings have human days. And even kings have human moments. But look what he says. L look at it. He says, put a turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him. Check this out, y'all. And the angel of the Lord stood by him. Which means God says, I'm not leaving you just because he's throwing stuff at you. And I'm not even leaving you because the stuff he's throwing is true. And the angel of the Lord stood by him. See, I just want to talk to a few of y'all that you've gone through some things and folk fell away and friends fell away and family fell away, but you found out for yourself that the Lord will stick to you closer than a brother. And the Bible says if you make your bed in hell that he'll still be there with you. See, I know you might feel like the Lord's not there with you but the book just told you and the Lord stood by him. God says even when you're wrong, I love you so much I'm going to stand 
stand by you. See, it's not a lot of friends like that around in the world, so maybe you don't have a point of reference for this, but if you've ever been down and out and you needed somebody to be right, God says, I'll stand by you. And, and even when you're not standing by me, I choose to stand by you. Say, so the Lord is standing with me. So now you have a picture of what's happening. Now let's look at another example. Let's go to Peter. Go to Luke 22. So now we kind of got a picture. I want to make the picture so we kind of drew the lines like a coloring sheet. And now we're going to start coloring in the lines. Luke 22, verse Triente Uno. Triente Uno. I gave myself 18 months to speak Spanish. And I had two lessons. And come on here. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be fluent-ish. <laughs> Luke 22, 31. And my teacher going to be so happy that I did that in the message today. And the Lord said, this is Jesus talking to the apostle Peter. And look what he says. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan asked for you. <laughs> what does that mean? He filed a motion against you. He couldn't mess with you just because he wanted to. He had to file a motion with the court. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. Now, now notice, y'all, notice that he asked, or as I said, filed a motion. He couldn't do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. Watch this. So if God allowed it, then it must be for Peter's good and God's glory. See, all the stuff going on in your life, you got to look at it and say, you know what? God could have stopped it, but since he didn't, it must be for my good and it must be for his glory, which means he's going to be glorified out of this, which means when people look at this, they're going to say, I know there's a God because I remember you prove that. Watch this. Look, look, the word ask. Now, 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 now we're going to get into my land here. The word ask is the Greek word asiato, note takers, E-X-A. I-T-E-O. You know what it means? To demand for trial. So the Lord says, Simon, Simon, indeed, the adversary demanded you for trial. You getting the picture? You getting it? These words were always in your Bible, always this way, painting this picture of this celestial legal system in which God is both judge and your advocate. But now the adversary is your accuser. So look what he says. He says he filed a motion for you. He demanded you for trial. More specifically, it goes into depth. It means to ask from, demand of, or to ask that one, watch this, be given up to one from the power of another. In both senses, either for good or for bad. You missed it. He said, same thing he said to Job. He said, give me him her, them, they, out of your power, God, and place them under mine. Turn them over to me for trial. Trial doesn't just have a legal connotation here. Trial then also means, check it out, trials and tribulations. Come on, be a good class. He, he, he said, watch this, watch this. You want to know what the word sift means in Hebrew? To prove by trial. Are you getting the picture? So, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, the celestial accuser, 
has demanded you for trial. Watch this. So that he can prove you by trial. Okay. Say wheat. I think it's interesting that Jesus chose to use the terminology wheat here because wheat is a very unique grain. Wheat, check this out. Wheat has to be sifted in order to be edible. You you can't just go and pick some wheat and, and, and just eat it. Because the problem is, check this out, wheat has what's called the chaff on it. The chaff is the thing that was covering the wheat while the wheat was in development. But it's no longer edible once the wheat is mature. See, some of what you've been going through is not an indication that you're so far behind. It's an indication that you're further ahead than you knew. Because the chaff is only removed once the wheat is mature and ready to be consumed. Which means I got an announcement for somebody. God says you may feel like you've been being sifted, but that's just evidence that you're mature and you've passed the test and it's time for promotion. Amen, lights. Check this out. Wheat. Sift you like wheat. The, the, the sifting process of wheat means to shake the inedible part off. If it's inedible, it could also be classified as baggage. Baggage could be classified as a noun. People, places, things, or ideas. Can can I work this like a part-time job? If it's inedible, it means it's no longer needed. Check this out. Here's what God says. Here's what God says. God says, God says, Peter, I heard his motion. And the reason I approved his motion... Is because there's some baggage on you, Peter. Some people. Some places you used to go. Some things and some ideas, some ideologies, some pathologies that you possess. That Peter, I'm getting ready to use you to reach thousands of people for me. Because this is the same Peter that on the day of Pentecost got up and preached and 3,000 people got saved. He said, but I can't use you to do that until I shake the inedible part of you off. Which means the reason I approve this is because you got some baggage that's got to let you go. I don't know who I'm preaching to in this place, but if you feel like people and places and things and ideas have been falling off of you, baby, that's not bad news. That's good news. That means God has been sifting you. Show them the picture. It means God has been sifting you like wheat so that the inedible part can come off. And the edible part can remain. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's keep filling in the lines. Verse 32. Now, you'd hope Jesus would be like, but Peter, I told him no. Peter, I I blocked him. I played the blood. That ain't what Jesus said, y'all. Now, this verse, this verse, touch your David, say this verse. Say this verse. Okay. This verse, y'all, now this is going to mess you up. Okay, you ready? Because look what Jesus says in verse 32. He didn't say, I stopped it. He said, I just prayed for you. That your faith wouldn't fail you. Y'all missed it. Jesus said, I just prayed that you do well in the test. I just prayed that you'll do well while you're on the stand. I 
just pray that you do well while you're going through the storm. Who am I preaching to? Jesus said, I'm not stopping it. I'm just going to pray that you do well. Because if I stop it, you're not going to be mature enough to handle where I'm taking you. You're not going to be strong enough to handle what's getting ready to come into your life. So I'm not blocking it. You got to go through it. How about somebody say, just go through it. There's a bad ideology that many people believe that Christianity is supposed to be always comfortable. And anytime something's uncomfortable, that must be the devil. Well, God might be using him to get it done. Ooh, but realize God had to approve it. Jesus said, but I prayed for you. That your faith wouldn't fail you now. Y'all remember the song? He said, feet don't fail me now. Jesus is like, I'm going to give James something to work with. I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail you now. Wasn't it, James? Mm-hmm. Look what he says. But, but look at this next part, y'all. And when you have returned to me, you missed it. Jesus knew Peter was going to fall away. See, I got news for somebody that maybe came in this place and you weren't even sure today because you ain't been to church for a while and you were hoping you weren't sure whether or not you were going to be judged or you weren't sure whether or not. I got good news for you. Jesus pre-graced your fall. He knew you were going to fall away from him. So look what he tells Peter. And when you come back home, (laughs) he said, I know you're getting ready to act up. I know you're getting ready to act like a plump fool. But when you come home, how about somebody say, when you come home? But when you come home, strengthen your brothers. Tell them how not to do what you did. I knew you were going to do it, so I pre-graced you for it. See, that don't mean nothing if you've never fallen away for a little bit. That doesn't mean anything if you've never said, God, I'm not even sure if I believe anymore. But if you've ever been in that place, Jesus said, I knew you'd get there. He said, look, look at the verse. He said, but when you come back. Now, somebody said, Bishop, what happened? But, well, let's keep reading. Can, can we keep reading? Look at verse 33. But look at what Peter said. Lord, I'm ready to go with you. Both the prison and the death. Jesus like, look, Pete. The rooster's going to crow. Watch this. This day before you will deny me three times that you even know me. Now, some of us are going to be saying, well, I've, I've never done that. So, but by virtue of our actions, we did. You know the definition of a fool? The definition of a fool is one who denies the existence of God. One who lives as if there is no God. Which means I can say he's real all day, but live like he's not there. And by definition, that's a fool. So look at the verse. Look at the verse. And can we be honest? Ain't we all been fools at some point? Oh, come on. If you ain't raised your hand, you're a fool now because you're a liar. So just. <laughs> he says, he says, Pete, look, look, Petey. The rooster's going to crow this day before you're going to deny me three times that you even know me. So now we find out what happens. Now we find out what was getting ready to happen. Jesus was like, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to leave me. In fact, when I come back from getting the keys to death, hell, and the grave, when I ask for my disciples, 
I'm going to call you by name because you will have removed yourself from even being one of my disciples. So I'm going to say, when I say to them, go get my disciples, I'm going to say, go get my disciples and Peter. Because you got so deep into your mess that you thought, I didn't want you no more. Oh, I wish I had somebody here. Anybody ever felt like, God, you can't take me back. God, you don't want me after I've done this. God said, Pete, I'll let you go to the lowest low, and I still want you. I'll let you make the biggest mistake, and I still want you. <laughs> he said, he said, he said, uh, I want you to know some stuff. You're going to act like you don't know me. You're going to quit coming to church for a while. You're going to quit praying for a while. You're going to quit reading your Bible. You and tithes will be strangers. Come on, let's be honest. I'm not judging nobody. I'm just making a point because we've all been there. And for those of you who say, I've never left the Lord, but you left him in your mind. You may have been in church, but you just... Because we've all done it. We've all had Peter moments. And that's the good news. Ain't no sense of you judging your neighbor because your neighbor, both of all of us had some Peter moments. Jesus said, Petey, Petey, you're going to leave me. But when you come back, tell your testimony to your brothers. Now, now check this out. Bishop, then why did Jesus say sifting? Peter was the wheat, but his pride was the chaff. Bishop, what do you mean pride? How do you know he had pride? Because he liked to use absolutes when he was not fully resolute. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This is totally not in my notes. This is for your neighbor. Totally free. Be careful when you use absolutes. Because they are speaking from a position of pride. Bishop, what do you mean? I'll never leave you, baby. Well, it's been two years. Now, what happened? You my everything. And she is. <laughs> and she is. It got real quiet in this church. Y'all don't like this in Denver? Shut them doors. They don't let them like this in Denver. You know, whenever people tell me things, I don't know if I should even say it because I don't want to. I'm not going to say it. Just be careful when people say stuff to you like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm with you to the end. Well, I didn't ask you that. So who are you trying to prove it to? Whenever people answer questions nobody asked, it's because they asked it of themselves. And their answer to you is really an answer to themselves because they're trying to convince themselves. I'm very careful. <laughs> Message. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, I just want you to know. You the sun I see and the air I breathe and... Well, ain't nobody said nothing. I'm just trying to figure out if them pancakes, but ain't nobody said nothing about what you're talking about. So who are you trying to prove something to? Okay, I'll leave that alone because all, all the married couples are squeezing it. <laughs> Gee, walkers, what do you mean? Okay, all right, here we go. Peter, Peter, and if I had time, I'd, work, I, I'd explain to you why we know that Peter had pride issues. Because here's what pride is, y'all. Pride is the chaff of shame. This is what do you mean? People only get prideful when they're ashamed of what reality is. 
So, so that's, what, that's, why, that's, why, that's, why sometimes, that's why sometimes people have to go in and tell you everything they own because they're really ashamed of how little it is. That's why people have to walk around. I'm in charge. 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 I'm a Charles in charge. Charles in charge. Looking like George Jefferson. Charles in charge. Charles in charge. Yeah. No. You know why? You know why? Because they need to convince themselves because they're really ashamed of their own ability. Watch this. I'm going to work it another way. I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my husband. I love my kids. Who are you trying to convince? My baby is so special. We're talking about church. Message. <laughs> okay, I'll leave it alone because I Pride tries to conceal shame. It goes back to the garden. We only got one more story. We're going to shout our way with this one. If you're not a shout that's cool. You're just going to smile really good. They do a lot of shouting over there at Harvest because the Bible says shout and receive the word with joy. Okay, now check this out. We know that pride is the chaff of shame or the cover-up of shame. Check this out. We, you know how we know that? We know that because in the garden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed, the scripture says, and the man and his wife were in the garden. They were naked and unashamed. They were unashamed. Why say unashamed unless you were getting ready to indicate that there was getting ready to be a change in the disposition of their shame? So then when God steps down, God steps into the Garden of Eden, which means land of voluptuous living. All of Eden wasn't a garden, but the garden was in Eden. God steps in and God says, Adam, Adam. I think God sounds like James Earl Jones in the Bible. You know, like, Adam, you deliberately disobeyed me. <laughs> Lion King, part one. Okay, so he steps, he steps in the garden. He's like, Adam, where are you? Now, watch this, y'all. God doesn't ask questions to find out information. He asks questions to check heart. He wanted to see how Adam was going to respond. All Adam had to do was say, Lord, forgive me. He could have played insanity. He could have even threw Eve under the bus still, and it could have been insanity. He'd be like, that woman, she just made me crazy. Because she drove me out of my mind. She's poison, God. Poison. She's dangerous. <laughs> but Adam didn't do that. ACC. <laughs> oh, right. that's okay. All right, so, so check this out. He could have done that, y'all. You know what he didn't do? He didn't do that, though. You know what he did? Scripture says he ran and he hid himself. That's what he did. He hid. <laughs> now imagine God's kabod, his presence, his glory, which is, which, is, which is quite noticeable. Look what he says. I heard your voice. Watch it. I heard that I was getting ready to be held accountable. And I was ashamed of what I did. So I ran and I hid. Because I was ashamed. Look at verse 11. And he said, look, look what God says. God says, well, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? In other words, God says, I, you didn't learn that from me. Where would you get that from? 
Did you do what I said not to? Look at verse 12. And the man said, I refuse to take any responsibility for anything. The woman, watch this, you gave me. God, you let me be born in this family. God, you let me live in this city. God, you let me do this. Therefore, it is not my fault. We plead not guilty. You got it? Okay, look at me, everybody. So, so, so we see pride then as the shield for shame. Does it make sense? I just wanted to show you the point so that you got it. Uh, last story, last story. Go to John 8. I'm painting the picture. We're coloring it in. Are you getting how this works? The celestial legal system, how this works. Satan is the accuser. And we looked at that last week, Revelation 12. He's the accuser of the brethren or of Christians. This last one's going to be good for you. This is going to be good for all of us. Because in this next story, the adversary works through self-righteous people. John 8, chapter 2. And we're just going to go line by line. <clears throat> you got it? Or excuse me, John chapter 8, verse number 2. Excuse me. If you can go to chapter 8 and chapter 2 simultaneously, you're gifted. <laughs> John chapter 8, verse number 2. Now, early in the morning, when he came into the temple, after he had finished commanding his day. That's the New Year's Eve message. All the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Say, so he taught them. Verse 3, then the scribes and Pharisees. Now, Pharisees, by definition in the Greek, means separatists. Sadducees means uh, those that are self-righteous. They're very sad, you see. Okay? They're both separatists, and, and they both have all, these, have all these different issues. But Pharisees, excuse me, specifically means separatists. Pharisees means separatists. God, on the other hand, is very inclusive. Self-righteous people are very separatists. They're very exclusive. Bishop, Bishop, what do you mean by that? Please explain that because you're using words. I'm not sure what you mean. If God was exclusive, you'd be excluded. If God was exclusive, we'd all be excluded. Because let's not just talk about our past before we knew Jesus. Let's talk about our past since we've known Jesus. Can all of us be honest today? It's some stuff. After you prayed the prayer, it's some stuff like, woo. Can we all be honest? Can we all be honest? Okay, so, so then when God is inclusive, that just means God says, the ones that other people throw out are the ones that I'll receive because I receive everybody that comes to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden with burdens, and come to me, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So look at it. John 8 and 3, then the scribes. Now, now notice, y'all, scribes implies that they write and record things. You're missing it. Then the people who were writing and recording everybody else's faults and the separatists brought him a woman caught in adultery. You got it? And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, rabbi, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act we caught her. Now, Moses in the law or Torah commanded us that she should be stoned. What do you say? Check this out. Couple questions. How'd they catch her in the act? <laughs> they, were, they were very 
explicit to say we caught her in the very act. So my question is, what in the world were you sitting up there watching? See, because Pharisees like to point out your faults, but don't ever want to hear about theirs. We caught her in the very act. That's question number one. Question number two, or perhaps not question, but statement one, which could be piece two in sequence. How they so quickly forget about their own issues and failings that this woman's issues seemed so enticing, sensational. See, that's what gossip is all about. Gossip is all about being a scribe and a Pharisee because you forgot that you got some stuff too. And while you're sitting up on the phone, well, I'm just saying, and I can't understand, and I can't understand, and I can't understand. You whistle them. When you dig one ditch, you better dig two because the trap you set for them might be for you. So, so, so look, 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 look. This woman's issue seems so enticing. Get her, get her, get her. This is how some people treat you when, once they know you're a Christian. And when you have a human non-Christian moment and you mess up and you make a mistake, and you're supposed to be a Christian. I am. And the fact that that's all I said is proof that I am one. Now, you don't get to use that against me. You have to have somebody say, you can't use that against me. No, you can't. So can't use that against me because I found out about goodness and I found out about mercy and I found out about grace and I found out that you got issues too. Therefore, people who live in glass houses ought not throw stones. Because to throw one outside of your house, you have to break yours. So listen, so, so, so listen. And when I say I, I always use I in the first person. Don't, don't take that to necessarily mean I literally. This is I'm teaching. I use I in the first person. Okay, so check this out. So they're over there apparently watching. They were waiting on her to fail. They were waiting on her to make one mistake, one misstep. They weren't bold enough to walk up to her. They People watching, you know how they do. You think they can see me? I'm done. I just want to paint the picture so you get it. They're watching her. They catch her. They take her out of that. Put your clothes on. <laughs> Say, come on, let's go. They go. I didn't mess up the thing. <laughs> Excellence. Okay. And so, and so they walk up to her. They take her to Jesus and they say, Moses said we should kill her. What do you say we should do? Moses meaning Torah, the law. Look at verse 6. This they said, testing him. So watch this. We got two accusations going on at the same time. The first is against her, but the second is against him. They said this testing him that they might have something to accuse him of. But I love what Jesus did. And this is where if you don't know how to shout, you figure it out. Jesus didn't even answer them. 
Jesus said, oh, that's how you want? Come on, cameraman. Jesus said, he takes his finger. He starts drawing. Starts drawing. Starts drawing. And everybody can see it. He's drawing. He's drawing. And they're looking and they're making sounds. Who? What? What? Who named it? Leroy. And look what happens. Look what happens. Look what happens in the verse. Look what happens in the verse. Look what happens in the verse. Verse 7. So they continued asking, well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Then Jesus' response, Jesus' response, y'all, it's epic. Because can I tell you something? When he starts writing with his finger, finger in the Greek means by the power of God, something is made visible to man. You missed it. When the scripture says he wrote with his finger, it was very specific to use the word finger because in the Greek it means by the power of God, God is getting ready to make something visible to man. In other words, when Jesus started writing, Jesus made their own issues visible to them. In other words, the same way in Zechariah he said, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. When Jesus started writing on the ground, in other words, Jesus said, I rebuke you, 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 you. All of your charges are thrown out because the blood of Jesus is about to be. He says, verse 7, so they continued to ask him. He raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Epic response. Then he goes back down. And he's like, I hope you give this fight up quickly. Let me help some of you who feel justified in talking about other people right now because they hurt you. I hope you quit talking about them quickly. Because while you're talking about them, I'm writing something. Oh, God, I wish I had somebody in here. He starts writing on the ground. And when he stands up, they could see what he wrote. Look at verse 8. And he stooped down again and he wrote on the ground. He keeps writing. And, and then they started to leave. Which means they didn't want to be around while the rest of what he wrote was being made visible. Look at verse 9. Then those who heard it being convicted with their own conscience went out one by one. Check this out. Beginning with the oldest even to the last or the youngest. You missed it. The one with the oldest said, I got the most dirt. He said, I got the most mistakes. He said, so y'all sit up here and talk about her. I got to go. He's like, oh no, you ain't bringing that up. Oh my God, how did he know that? He must be God. How did he know that? I perceive thou art a prophet. The oldest to the youngest. And they begin to leave. And they begin to leave. And they begin to leave until, watch this, all of the hasetans. All of the accusers are gone. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. They sat her in the midst. Now she's standing in the midst because she got emboldened when she said, oh, wait a minute. You ain't got yours. Hold up. Wait a minute. He put his blood up in it. Look at verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to him, Woman, where are those Hasetans? Where are they at? Has nobody condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. 
go. I set you free. It couldn't stick. I overruled the motion. I'm preaching to somebody here. I overruled the motion. Let that depression go. Let that shame go. Let that unforgiveness go. Let those issues go. Neither do I condemn you. Get out of here and go live your life. Get out of this depression and go live your life. Get out of trying to get even with them and go live your life. Get out of this low place and go live your life. Notice, I'm through the word Jesus used. Does anyone condemn you? See, sometimes we have a misunderstanding about the difference between condemnation and conviction. See, God doesn't condemn us. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn it. I came into the world to save it. But you know what he says? He says this. Y'all okay? You sure? He says, I didn't come into the world to condemn it. I came into the world to save it. But you know what he says, y'all? He says, I tell you what, know the difference between condemnation and conviction. Here's what condemnation says. Condemnation, that's what the enemy does. That's what he does. It pushes you down. Condemnation says, you're not this, 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 you're not this. To where you now, watch this, you believe it. You cannot miss next week because on next week we're going to talk about how it is that he works with through you. And how he introduces thoughts and things to you. preview adam and eve didn't eat fruit they ate a thought come back (laughs) just be here next week but watch this he introduces thoughts so that's all he does but check this out the enemy wants you to beat yourself down you're not a good mom you're not a good father. You're not a good husband. You're not a good this. You're not a good dad. You're not this. You're not that. You're none of that. See, that's what he did from the beginning with Eve. He said, for God knows the day you eat of it, you will be like God. Well, she was already like God. Which means he started by trying to attack her value. Okay. All right. Next week. Pushes her down. Pushes her down. Pushes her down. But God says, that's not what I do. The Holy Spirit convicts. You know what conviction means? Conviction says, you're so much better than that. You're so much smarter than that. You're so much more talented than that. You're worth so much more than that. See the difference? Condemnation pushes you down. Conviction lifts you up. Jesus said, if they don't condemn you, neither do I. But check this out. He says, because I won't. Because I don't do that. I don't condemn. I convict. And that's God's word to somebody here today. The enemy's been... In your ear, telling you how bad you are, telling you how messed up you are. People have been reminding you of your failures, of your trappings, of your mistakes, of your issues, to the point to where you're walking around and you're sitting there in court talking when you should be letting Jesus talk for you. When Jesus was being tested by Satan after he did a 40 day fast, water only, so we got it easy. Do you know how Jesus responded? Because it was a test. It was a trial. You know what Jesus said? I'm not speaking. The word speaks for me. So every time Satan threw an accusation, if you are. Leading question, accusation. He says, if you are the son of God, do this. If you are God, do this. If you are God, do this. You know what Jesus said? I don't have to talk to you. He said, it is written. 
which means when condemnation's coming against you, all you got to do is say, well, the word's speaking for me. Because Jesus is the word wrapped in flesh. The word's speaking for me. I am still the head and not the tail. I am still above and not beneath. God is still making a way out of no way. I am still a king and a priest. Revelation 1 and 6. I... The word speaks for me. Lay your hands on yourself. Say the word, the word speaks, for me. speaks for me. Every accusation, every, accusation, every, charge, every charge has been rebuked, has been rebuked overruled, overruled, and thrown out. I am loved by God unconditionally. I am not condemned. I am not condemned. I am not condemned. Satan overruled. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Oh, come on now. You know you deserve it. A steak patty on any McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I mean any breakfast sandwich. Biscuit, McMuffin, Bagel, McGriddles, a juicy steak patty on any breakfast sandwich. And when you order through the app, buy one and get one free. Now go get them. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu.